Okay, I think I think Kule has finally solved his connectivity issues. I think he's here now, so we can just dive into it. Um, anyway, before we start, Bolish, I can say the listeners with the US saying that you are now the gay issue again. Say, let me answer you, but we'll go eliminate you by putting the podcast here. See, if they want person, if they use your bad, do the one here. So, so you go understand what I talk. Can you imagine? So, the listeners, <laughs> they don't understand Yoruba. They don't understand Yoruba. They I say do. the only issue we then get with us now, say Yoruba, Yoruba don't to the entire podcast. So, please, we're trying to release our Yoruba to the minimum. We'll, we'll try our best, but uh, make we'll them Our foreign, our foreign listeners in it. In it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Honor About Notary podcast. Um, it's a semi full house because these days, Akin is a on and off member, but we appreciate his presence whenever it is that we can get it. So I have Kule, Bolish, and Bright in the house. Um, Bolish, I think we'll just start with the most important thing that happened over the weekend because the NFL players are here, and so far, it seems like the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, like, you. We could not really predict how each game was going to go. Then, to make matters worse, a bit of drama came in. Is it from Brock Cody getting injured for the San Francisco Fortnite and they had to play with a fourth-string quarterback? Or the fact that um, Burrowhead is finally has returned back to Arrowhead Stadium? So, I, so the, the angle I'm going to look at it from is that th- they were exciting games, but uh, maybe... We didn't get as much of a back and forth from the Niners Eagles game as we wanted. As much as you know, people want to mention Brock Purdy, it looked like whoever was going to be at quarterback, if it wasn't an high level uh, quarterback like maybe Mahomes or maybe Rogers or someone like that, the Eagles were always going to have their number. Because I think I tweeted this more than three or four times. The Eagles have four guys with double-digit sacks. That means, and that's the first. This is the first. It's not like this is something that happens every year or that's mm-hmm. happened. Before. Even the two and two Ravens that you know people um, say one of your defense, yeah, this defensive team or that did not have four players with double-digit sacks. What that means is that they have four guys in that defensive line that are relentless because that's you know the sack. A sack is that the sack is not sack is like the last line of. Um, um, of defense, meaning you are you are going through so many orders to get to the quarterback. You know you are yeah. going through the offensive line, you are going through tight end blocking, you you are going through so many things to make sure that this quarterback is not going to get the ball off. And to have four guys who are that relentless shows you how dangerous the Eagles defense were. And I and I and I kept mentioning, you know, in the build up to the game that as much as people like 49ers defense, people are forgetting the Eagles defense. I, mean, I even thought it was going to be a closer game, meaning. A defensive flood first because I knew how tough these Eagles defense is, especially when you know they have um corners like Slay and Bradbury, so they don't need to cheat off. They, they, those guys can comfort, comfortably go against the the receivers of the 49ers, even if Rock Petty was playing. So you had a mm-hmm. situation whereby they don't need to cheat off the receivers, they can actually go all in and they can actually go all in and you know try to get at the cup quarterback, and then on offense. They showed against Giants that we will run the ball, not just any other kind of run, because there are different kind of runs. There are sneak runs that you know they are trying to avoid, you know, um, the, the defensive line. 
But the way the Eagles run the ball, maybe because they have Lane Johnson and Dwayne Kelsey, um, Travis Kel- and um, oh, Kelsey. Uh, yes. They actually run the ball at the so-called strong men in your in your defense. Like they run it through through that line. They don't they don't shy away. It's like see that Boston Scott touchdown. It's like guy, whatever it is you want to do, I am coming with the ball. And because the the uh, other um the corners, the back line of the Niners defense, we're we're always worried about Jalen Hurts running. They could not join. So that that's how dynamic that Eagles offense was. So it was very interesting to watch, you know, the different um things at play. It was sad to see Brock Body go out early because I would have really loved to see what he could do. Even though I picked the Eagles to win and I thought we were going to win. But I would have really loved to see if, you know, his connection with Kitu would matter, you know, getting Christian McCaffrey more involved. It was really sad to see that they didn't have at one point Christian McCaffrey was playing quarterback for them. It was that bad. Yes, so because I think it was quite obvious. The reason why a lot of people felt, uh, I don't want to use what a lot of people, why some people felt that, okay, this is still anybody's game and the Niners could turn off and still go against the Eagles is that Kashanan is, is an amazing play caller. He's an amazing coach in the sense that even with a third straight quarterback, he got to this position. And they are very dynamic with the way they run. The, unlike the Eagles whereby they take the ball and they force it down your throat and you cannot do anything about it. Because of how good the offensive line is. You know, you know how I'll come back to what you just said. The, if it was five games or six games into the season, where mm. people said, okay, what was the weakness of the Eagles? They were poor against the run. Their defense mm. was poor against the run. You would say, okay, no problem. If it was before they acquired Bradbury, and then people were saying, oh, the other side of the um of the floor, that slays on one side, the other side can be their weak link. I will agree mm. with you. If it was before CJ Gardner Johnson joined them, I would agree. But them, yeah. throughout the season, these guys continue to beef up that team. You know, DM, he continues to make, you know, changes, trades to add to that team. So at some point, the only different, the only thing that was important because of the way they play is, is Jalen Hurts going to be fit? Is Jalen Hurts going to be available? Once Jalen Hurts, and you could see even in that game, you could see that. He's still recovering from that um, shoulder injury. As much yeah, as yeah. They, if they were able to protect him, you could see that he's still not. No, I'm, not I'm not even focusing on the Eagles now. I'm focusing on the Niners because the reason why I said so is that the Niners are a dynamic team. Not not many teams would even make the playoffs with a third string quarterback. Not to talk about getting to the NFC Championship game. And you know that when, you, okay. when they get to that kind of position. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to um, what's it called? I want to combat what you just said. The fact that so there's no there's one notion that has been going around, and I want to I'll try to see if I can explain myself explain my angle on that notion. The fact that a guy was picked as the last pick of the draft and uh called Mr. Irrelevant doesn't mean that the person is actually a top screen string string quarterback. Let me explain myself. Now, there are so many people that they have been picked in the fourth round. Shannon Sharp was picked in the fifth round or sixth round. Um so well, Tom Brady was picked in the sixth round. That's the good. Of goat. course. Let me learn. The fact okay. that someone was picked somewhere and then maybe they didn't get opportunity doesn't mean that they're actually a third string quarterback quality. I think you understand what I'm trying to say. I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. Be a third string quarterback, but actually be like more, more like a second string or even more like a starting quarterback. But just because of the situation is in. For example, 
We've not seen Jordan Love play at all. I, I said for maybe how many minutes against the, I think it was against the BS this season. So it's possible that Jordan Love can actually play, but it's a Rogers that is benching him. So imagine we now see Jordan Love is a second stream quarterback. Then we see him come up, come up maybe next season and he plays. And then it's like, oh, what's going on? Even though he was a second string quarterback, he didn't just get the opportunity to show he's a first string quarterback. So Bronfordia has, has shown enough for us to stop calling him a third string quarterback. That's what I'm trying to say that. He has shown that he was he was more explosive than Jimmy Garoppolo. He was confident in the plays. They were confident in him doing more things with the offense. He was able to come out of pocket and make throws. He was able to do the simple basic things also. So he has he has shown in the last do you know my 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 rhetoric my my rebuttal to your comments is going to be you know let me tell you why let me land it now. Why I don't agree is that this same Karshan because we are trying to put everything on Karshanian, but we have seen the same Karshanian with other quarterbacks that are not Jimmy Carapolo and he has been poor. His results, you can go and check their results with other quarterbacks, not Jimmy Carapolo, in this same San Francisco. And that is below below 300 record. So Brock Purdy is actually is is yeah, he was a, a last pick of draft, but he's not a top screen quarterback. That's my point. Okay. Let me yes. I, I'm coming to your Karshana hand point. But let me face your broccoli points in the sense that when you say when you say contrast your quarterback, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are not good enough to be number one and number four and other team or something else. The way it works is okay, you were drafted as the last player on the draft, then you show up at training camp. Then everybody plays for a position at training camp and oh freelance is number one. To make G is going to back him up since we cannot trade him. Then broccoli is number three. And sometimes some players are not ready because even in training camp, you might give you the opportunity to show okay, please show me what you can do. For Tom Brady, he became second string in training camp from fourth string, second string. Then as soon as um, the guy who was number one got injured, Brady took the opportunity and didn't let him go. So Brady would have shown something that be like, okay, you know, this guy is just number three. Then we'll give him credit for the fact that when he came in, he did very, very well for the Niners and they went, they won these eight straight games, went on this crazy run and they made it to the next championship game. The reason why I'm saying that Kyle Shannon and Co, we need to give them credit in the sense is that, yes, Brady started to play well as when they came into the lineup. But regardless, they would have preferred if they had Jimmy G. Not just because of his ability to play, but his leadership as well. And obviously, they're going to be flustered when the lights are on. And not, not to say that Jimmy G has not messed up in the past. He messed up last year in a championship game. We all remember how that happened. Yeah, but the minute Brock Purdy got injured in that game, there was a limit to what the 49ers can do in terms of how they were dynamic. The way they run plays, jet sweeps, end arounds, the way they run the ball and everything. Now, teams are because I know you are playing with a fourth street quarterback that I know that cannot beat me, or you are playing with Christian McCaffrey as a quarterback, I will dare you to throw the ball. Like, I will prepare for those runs and tell you that, okay, throw the ball. If you had a Jimmy G or you had a, or you had, or you had a feedback code, the Niners would defend in a different way because they know that, okay, this guy can actually beat us with his own arm. We cannot just pay them to, throw, to run the ball every time. Like, now that I know that your quarterback has gotten injured. You can, I might as well tell you that with this first string guy here, or with Christian McCaffrey here, or with uh, what's his name, Kyle Yushik at um, behind center, throw the ball and let's see what's going to happen. We'll defend that way. Then on the issue of Kashana, and yes, we know that before Jimmy G got the first trailer for Jimmy G from the New England Patriots, they struggled at some point. But there are games, even when uh, Jimmy G got there, two years ago when they beat the Green Bay Packers to make it to the NFC Championship game in the playoffs, all they did, all Jimmy G did was throw the ball five times and they won the game. Because they kept running the ball in different ways. 
Like, is that crazy? Kashanan is that crazy to know that, okay, we'll, we'll run an end around now. We'll, even the Super Bowl, that, the last Super Bowl that the Chiefs win, where um, they beat them after Jimmy Jim missed that open throw to Emmanuel Sanders. Um, Tara Matthew said something, the former uh, safety for Karan City. He said, thank God he stopped running the ball. Because at some point on the bench, he and Chris Jones were putting on oxygen masks. They kept running the ball different ways. Like, they just... The um, the Chiefs could not keep up with that run game at some point. Like, okay, you know what? They are killing us here and it's looking very, very crazy. Yeah, That's why they know, give Kashana the kind of credit that he, he, he earns okay. because of how good he is and how dynamic he is. I'm not, so, I'm not, I'm not, um, see, I'm not saying Kashana is not one of the best coaches in, coach in the NFL. The reason why I brought up Brock Purdy as a quality quarterback, regardless of whether it's touching or secondary, because I wanted you to, I wanted to reference the fact that. As good and as uh, creative as Kalashanian was before Brock Purdy, without Jimmy Garoppolo, when Jimmy Garoppolo does not play, Kalashanian is nine and twenty-nine. Actually, yes, I'm right. not disputing that. The, 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 oh, wait, wait, yes. wait, let me land. That is a two, two dot like it's like that is like a tanking team's record, and the same with the same squad. So I'm saying, not with the same, that is I'm making. Not necessarily with the same squad. I'm saying as much as you want to give him praise and credit, you need to understand that the quarterback who has to do the job that he needs to do for his for what Kanshana is trying to uh, like uh, those things he's trying to implement to exactly. work. Exactly, you are purchasing my point. That's why I said that Brokoli's injury had a had an impact on yesterday's game. So Brokoli has, has proven has proven that he is basically is he should not we should not even be as we should not even be um. What I'm trying to say is that we should not be making it seem like ah, in spite of Brock Purdy. That's what I'm trying to say. A lot of people, a lot of people have been saying before before this game. A lot of people were saying in spite of Brock Purdy, in spite of the recovery, in spite of the recovery. Then when he got injured, they are saying oh, uh, they, they miss Brock Purdy. But meanwhile, before no. this game, before this game, they were saying in spite. Wait now, you know, do, do, do. narrative. You know that narrative. Two, two things. Yeah, you, know that, you know that you know that two things can be right, right? Like those two things can no, be right because the, the the narrative has been before this championship game that in spite of Brock Purdy, yeah, and I'm telling you that those two things can be right because the reason why we're giving him credit is that in spite of Brock Purdy, you don't get to the championship if you are if your quarterback is turning the ball over. There's a reason why that Prescott is that Prescott is that Prescott is championship, and it's a forty million quarterback. Why? Because he turns the ball. I get what you're saying. I, okay, you know what? I don't even want to stress this issue. I'll probably find a way to go into this later. But my point here is, two things can be right in the sense that, in spite of a guy having a rookie Hold quarterback, on, there's a reason why... Boy Wonder, senior genius, Kinikon, and he's 9 yes, of 20 with other quarterbacks. Boy, with Brock Purdy, he was, he's currently 8 of 1 or 8 of 2. But you guys who... who the enter, wait, you, the enter, other quarterbacks he had... Wait now, Polish. The, reason, the other quarterbacks he had without... Um, yes, Trey Lance... Played in that record, there's Nick Mullins, who, who was Jimmy G's backup before the data trail lands. And Nick Mullins wasn't good enough. He was genius, not good man. enough. See, even if we say Pep Guardiola is a genius, is he going to is he going to win the championship with under twenty three players? No, now you still need some sort of experience. Is That's just my point here. So see, and as much as you feel like okay, but for the yes, we all we all give him credit for playing well. But at the same time, it's a rookie quarterback. They get flustered, and they only get better with time because sometimes they he played with so much um, maturity and experience that we have to give him credit. But it won't change the fact that it was their third training quarterback at the, at the start of the season. 
So that's just my own point on this issue. And I feel like his injury had a massive impact on that game. But I feel he probably would have won because of how good Philly is. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I agree they, with that. I, I agree that. Too much completely changed the dynamic of the game. The point now, I'm mm-hmm. just arguing. Yeah, you, you, you say that you, people say they thought screen uh, quarterback. They say it's as if uh, Niners are there in spite of Brock Purdy. Then when it's out, they now want to remember that Brock Purdy was a quality addition to the squad. But I, I guess um, it's all that good. That's why I said that We have not even mentioned the goat on one leg. That, so, anyway, um, whether, whether it's the goat on one leg or not, time will determine. But um, Kule, normally before the game, we saw the mayor of Cincinnati come out and say, you know what, this is not Arrowhead Stadium, it is Burrowhead Stadium. Uh, Joe Bro owns the interim was talking about blah blah blah. I know in typical NFL fashion, and they were telling themselves that yeah, we now we're all in love with yeah, Joe Bro now. We don't love Joe Allen anymore because he has failed. But all in all, when you look at the game, Joe Bro still played well, but it got to the point where like, is it me or this everybody seems to be breaking. I'm talking to you. Can, can, is it can me, you guys hear me? Network breaking a bit. I can hear him clearly. I don't know. Can you hear us clearly? Yeah, I think it's my because it's breaking up. I never can hear me clearly. Well, Valentine, so maybe that's why it's breaking up. Can you hear us clearly? Can you hear us clearly? Yeah, I think I can hear you now. Okay. Did, you, did you hear what I said before? Mm-mm, no. But can you hear me now? You can hear me now at least. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. So I was talking about the fact that before the other, before the AFC Championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Chiefs, all we kept hearing was, oh, it's no more Arrowhead Stadium, it's Joe Burrow, it's Burrowhead Stadium. Joe Burrow owns the Chiefs, he owns Mahomes. Like, it seems like the entire NFL took the love that they have for Josh Allen, their favorite wide quarterback, and gave it to Joe Burrow. And some people rightfully so, Burrow has been playing amazing football. But... At the end of the day, we, we all saw how we play bullish. Then it got to a point whereby you are wondering, okay, did the um, Bengals lose that game because of the penalty, the latest penalty that they give away at the end? Okay, I think Kule has gone. I think it's Kule here. No, 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 he has gone. So to answer that question, I think it's more about uh, Chris Jones. Before you get to the penalty, before you get to because the, the Bengals had the chance to actually put some bo- points on the board, and then they could not. It, it felt like they could not do anything to uh, to to move forward. They could not protect you know Burrow, and it just felt like the defense of Kansas City Chiefs. They, they it felt like at that moment all the um, crash talk was playing as if someone was playing in their helmet. We, we yeah, start listening to what they were saying, and then they, they all became. For that that last um, Bengals play, and they they, they 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 really really put their thumb down, and they didn't let them move. So, as much as you want to talk about the penalty, but if they had put points on the board, even if it was a field goal, then they probably would have taken more time off the clock. That Mahomes might not even have enough time, you know, to do what he did, because you can't fault the penalty. You are not allowed. He was out of bounds. Yeah, 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 the penalty no. was in high school. I'm not allowed to touch him and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. He was out of bounds. He's the quarterback. He was mm-hmm. on one leg. He, everything about that, he was just a mistake from that guy, Osai. And Osai had played well all game. But he just knew that if that happened to... Maybe if that happened to... What's the name of that guy that came on for Niners? Is it Josh? Josh Jim? Um, yeah, like yeah. That. Yeah. that guy. Yeah. That guy did not try for black quarterback in the world, but 
If it happened to that guy, maybe they would not have blown it. But any other quarterback, any starting quarterback in the NFL will get that call because he was blatantly already, he was over the line. You know, he was on one leg. Everybody knew that Mahomes was struggling. He didn't need to touch him. So it just felt like, you know, I, I, some people, there are some people that have watched video and said maybe you Mahomes slowed down. You know, the way NBA players, when they are driving to the basket, down, they yeah. Down. But you can't blame Mahomes for slowing down. Yeah, honestly, you absolutely can't because that was basically the best advantage. Because it was basically exactly. scrambling on one, one ankle. It was scrambling on one ankle already. So he, he had no other thing. And as Bolly said, Osai was, was, it was quite naive because it wasn't, do, wasn't going to do anything. Like, why? Because now, when you look at it, it's not like, okay, they are, they are, they are fans of the. Bengals that will tell you that oh they didn't really beat us, we beat ourselves, blah blah blah. Okay, before, even before that penalty, there was a holding call against this dude that the referee should have called and everything. Do the Bengals look at this and be like, okay, if we bring everybody back, we're still one of the teams to beat? Or the teams probably just say on paper, okay, we're still superior in the AFC. I wouldn't say the Chiefs will say they are superior because before prior to this, they lost three in a row against the Bengals, and frankly. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the Bengals will see this as a missed opportunity because to an extent it's it's not often that you get the chance to be something of a I don't want to use the word dynasty here, but like a legacy as an NFL team. Like, oh yes, we got to like we did we did this and then we did it again. And frankly they matched they match they match the teams until that incident happened. Like basically if he had gone the other way. We won't have any complaints yet talking about this now. That if they are going to have bangers, we will not have any complaints. And go, oh, yes, maybe it's all fair. It was not fair. like, and frankly, that's uh, that's what simplifies it. That if what? if it's not going the way of the bangers, everything would have been fine. There have been no cause for alarm. So ultimately, the Chiefs got a lucky break. And um, I know, I know the super, I know the super bowl is still is still having about two weeks, but I probably have to put the both of you on this spot now because I know Lemon can't make any prediction. He doesn't care about the NFL like that. So I will put Bullish and Cooley on the spots regarding who they believe would win. Because there are people that believe, okay, the um the Eagles are an all-round better team and will get the most out of their team and probably become super bowl champions. Why there are those that believe you can't really bet against Mahomes any day of the week. So I'll start with Bullish first. Where would you be pitching your tents before next week, next two weeks? So, is I think I need to first clarify that the Eagles are not just an all-round better team. They are a very physical team. They play very, like the way the Niners defense play. The Eagles also play like that, both on that, offense. Yeah. And defense. Mm-hmm. So, for example, why, why I bring that up is that yesterday one of the first things that the Bengals defense should have done is to try to get to Mahomes. Like, forget about him making fantastic throws. Forget about. First of all, the first five, seven minutes of the game, Wakofun, I'm sorry for speaking to you, Baba. You, <laughs> you want to instill that fear in you, Baba? How do you, how do you show the energy in Wakofun in English? <laughs> you will give it to him. Do you understand? Let him feel that today you are not going to be comfortable. And if there's anything that can do that, is the Eagles with those players that are that will be breathing down your neck every single time. So. I think it will be a very close game because obviously Mahomes is going to be Mahomes, but the Eagles' defense gives me the um, confidence that they can win the game. So I'll begin with the Eagles. Um, yeah, I think I made the point last that is that I see whoever gets now between the 49ers and the Eagles being 
being the winner here. And frankly, I still is the Eagles because I'm not convinced by the Chiefs. No. And let me say this now. You know where you should place your bet. So thank you very much, all. Um, away from the NFL, <laughs> down no, to. Are you, are you saying? Are you saying coolest to carry the Jews? No, I th- both of them are on the same page. So you, I'm sorry, I'll follow the both of them. Don't Kule doesn't carry the Jews anymore. If like bet on Kule, oh, 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 sorry, I'm thinking about. It may feel like um, anybody now. If your money goes, it goes. I say, make sure you don't send anybody. Whenever they're over to the football or soccer. As it does in the US, we call it uh, football in Europe. Just what we do is still, what do you up and going? <laughs> Over to football in Europe. The transfer we do is up and going. And yes. somehow, Chelsea are relentless. Do you understand? They're, they're, they are not stopping at all. As if it wasn't bad enough that they hijacked the Mudrick deal and so many other deals and they spent all the amount of money. Now they went to Benfica again this money. Like, ah, remember that money that you said you should pay that time? We have it. We don't just have it full cash. We can be depositing it for you every two, three months. Or six, six months. How you like that? Every year. <laughs> I feel. I, I feel. Uh, somebody needs to call Chelsea to order that. You know what? Yes, we know you have this money to spend, but at the same time, there are some things that you have to do logically. His release clause is one hundred and twenty million pounds, but Chelsea is saying they are, sorry, one hundred twenty million euros. But Chelsea is saying they are going to amortize the deal over five years for 130 million. And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, are you not or something? So I, I I really don't see the need in it because it's almost like they're making emergency signing. There's talk about them going to release Jogio. And I'm like, is there a book at all? Is there is there a roadmap at all? Is there a plan to what you are trying to achieve? Okay, what exactly are you trying to achieve? So it feels like an ill-mary approach to a transfer window, which I think does not make any amount of sense. When you can get players on the premium, as useless as Coquelin is, you can go to Villarreal and adapt Coquelin and tell them that, okay, you know what? I just feel like a lot of the things they're doing is silly and aimless. That's just but, 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 <laughs> You <laughs> will break, you break people's leg now. Is that no? I, I really don't know. I, I really, my issue is I don't know what they are trying to achieve. Like, it is not obvious. These... But, but 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 bright. How about people that say that because there are reports now, according to the Athletic, that there are reports that Chelsea are scared of because the Fernandez continues to go in leaps and bounds over the summer. We saw, we also him at the World Cup, playing play of the World Cup, blah blah blah, and there, and there are fears that okay. After Bellingham goes off the market in the summer, because that's what is projected to be, Bellingham is the um, most prospect, and everybody seems to be on the stairs. After um, Bellingham goes off the table in the summer, Enzo Fernandez is the next person. So everybody might want to go for Enzo Fernandez. So there are reports are going to that, okay, Chelsea are trying to avoid putting themselves in that kind of situation whereby there are so many clubs running from pillar to post and they don't want to be in a competition. So they are going ahead now to take, like, they are, they are being proactive. Okay, when, when you talk about being proactive, uh, the question remains that in this inflated market, how many clubs can actually afford an outright fee of 120 million euros? I think there are only two clubs that can do that. Maybe, maybe PSG, maybe Real Madrid, and maybe Newcastle due to the Arab bonus. So, please, who, who, who are they going to be scrabbling with? Over, over? And I, out of those three options, I think 
seen a dire need of a player like Enzo Fernandez. And I can't really say they do because they have a very young player in Kamavinga and Tuchemeni. So, like, if you look at it logically, it looks like a team that is shooting, that is making random shots without a set goal and plan. So it, it has nothing to do with competitions over the summer, yadi, yadi, yadi. The fact remains that them trying to rush the deal in the last two days gives Benfica more of a leverage on calling shots. They are, they are talks about um, Chelsea wanting to cover expense in his wages. Like some ridiculous amounts is just being thrown around. And I, I feel like if we want to curb this inflation in football, I know it sounds silly, but I think we need wages cap. We need we need caps. We need something similar to what the NBA does. Um, my, my my what amazes me or what frightens me this whole thing is there's still this summer. Like life will still continue beyond, next beyond this summer next year. Like football is planning for things into the future. Unless Chelsea know something that we don't know, but I don't see any reason why they want to do everything this January. Yes, with Fernandez deal, all this amount of money, but yeah, Bad Shile. Like um you are you, you've agreed to sign on Kuku as well for more than his release clause again in January, so that it comes in the summer. And it's almost like, oh, we have this money, it's, the money is going to burn the hole in our pocket if we don't spend it now. Yeah, and like Bright said, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of rationality to their plan. Because let's not forget that six months ago they gave uh, Tuku that much money to, and to make so many signings, like I don't think any club spent more more than them in summer, in the and now they're basically trying to build a whole team, like with in the, in the mid season, like they signed two centre backs already, signed two forwards, they signed a few wingers, like okay, yes, where is this? Like okay, we understand that okay, you want to you want to be good, you want to review this team, but in what sense? We don't know. Like we are just watching. Players coming in, we don't know the kind of players, the amount of players that is good that will go out. You don't know, you kind of, you know the kind of players the manager even wants. So you just feel like, yes, they're doing, they're sending players because they are available. Especially in terms of off, and uh, the attack, they have Felix with an, an, I think there's an option to buy in his loan deal. There's, there's Mudrick. No, there's there's no option to buy. In okay, there's no option to buy. Mm. Yes, Felix, there's there's Madrid, there's Mudrick, there's Unkuku coming next season, and yet you can still look at. Is about this final, and you can see look at that. Like, okay, this team still lacks this team still needs to number nine. I mean, oh, yes, they're just compiling players to particular positions without without it making that much sense. And this is kind of whereby if it doesn't go well, if there's no cohesion within the next six weeks, they might be in the manager and be like, oh, yes, that's that's where the problem is. And suddenly, a new manager comes in that wants to want to go in a different direction with players, and you can tell this like there's too much chaos going on. So ultimately, I think Bowley and the club need to sit down and decide. Okay, yes, how are we going to do this? Which players are we getting off? Which is uh, which is also a problem because those players are going to be on huge wages. How many? How many of the other clubs can come and get them now? Yeah, speaking about coming to come and get Chelsea's players. Um, Bowley, there are reports this evening that PSG are after Akin Ziyech, and I'm wondering, is this the magic of the World Cup? Because in the summer we can hear clubs like AC Milan or maybe clubs like I don't really have. Clubs that we just wanted, let's just have or maybe return back to Ajax. Now you're wondering, okay, PSG. Was it did they look at the World Cup and they're like, oh, that guy, that guy still has it. That guy can see I think that, that's probably the case because when you look at his performance at the World Cup, it felt like he played a bit more freely. It felt like he was a bit more, you know, committed to you know playing 
Like, if you just felt like he, he was free in the Moroccan squad. So, any manager seeing something like that probably has a conversation one or two with people and say, okay, what's the deal with this guy? And then they've seen, obviously, some of his performances in the past, not just the World Cup. He was actually a very, very highly rated player before he came to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Fine, if Chelsea has not gone as planned, but they can look at his tape from before he came to Chelsea, look at his tape at the World Cup and feel like, okay, this guy can probably offer some dynamism to our attack that we probably lack somewhere because he's a proper winger, winger. So maybe maybe that's what they've seen. But I think he's, not, he's, not, he's probably not going to start for them, but it's not a bad option to have, especially if you have a team where Someone like Neymar can just go and get injured. It's, we're close to February, so... Neymar is my guy, but... Neymar can just go for birthday in two weeks' time, and then, <laughs> then you, are now, you have just two options in attack. Then you are going to your bench. There's nobody in your bench. So, GH is not a... You know, if, if you are going to get... Some sort of production like what we got from him in the World Cup was anything close to what was what he was at Ajax. It's not a bad sign to have on your bench as an option. Anyway, I'm still sticking with Boyle because when Hector Bellerin returned on the free to Barcelona last summer, we saw him. He was like, "Oh, boom, coming!" I finally come out where it all began for me. I'm excited to see what I can oh, do. Coming, I mean, you are smoking. <laughs> For him, it was homecoming. He's returning back to where he started. Now it seems like he's on his way to Portugal to Sporting to go and replace Pedro Perro, who was on, he was on his way to Spurs. And for Benin, he must be wondering, okay, I'll take whatever it is that I get. Homecoming didn't really come. Uh, the one thing I like a little bit about this current um, Batum, uh, what? Batum, okay. Laputa administration <laughs> is, that, is that they don't, they don't, you know. But on that, but if it was on that, but to me, Bellerin, uh, they probably have given him a, <laughs> they'll have given him a contract extension. <laughs> and given him three, four years and then giving him like uh, four, four million or ten million per year. And then they'll not start loaning him until he becomes a bone in our neck. So I like the way they've done the deals. You know, Marcos Alonso, free transfer. Bellerin, free transfer. Uh, Christensen, free transfer. Oh, Christensen, oh, this guy is a baller. Okay. The, even, even if you can see the quality in the guy, this has so impressed me. Maybe because I, I didn't watch him enough. Oh, just, yeah. oh, does anybody remember this podcast? Where Bali is arguing? I remember. Yeah. I remember. He, does anybody, does anybody, does anybody remember? He said, he said Eric Garcia was way better than Christian. Thank C. you very much. You can go on. You can go on. I, I'm but not refuting that statement now. I'm just saying, good at no. Fashion models can come to our club, help us uh, model our jersey because I think he sold a lot of jerseys when he came to Barcelona. But it's good reason, <laughs> to be honest, because he, of, in attack, as in as a footballer, as a footballer on the pitch, he offered nothing. Even the the small games, the small games that they put him in was it was one of the disasters in that inter game. Apart from the inter game, he had some other opportunities that was just you know, it was just useless. That's I think that's the word I can use. There's nothing else I can use to quantify. It was just useless. So. Good riddance. We keep our search. I was thinking, you know, I saw the Girona right back over the weekend, and now Martinez, that guy is a bowler, and he's just nineteen, and he has about he has, top, he has a lot of upside. He has about hundred caps for Girona already. First team caps, not uh, he has been playing first team football since he was seventeen. The guy is. Anyway, I won't be surprised. <laughs> if he ends up at City. 
he was one of the best guys, but I don't think we have the money to you know to I, get I that. I won't be surprised if he ends up at City because Girona is part of it's part of the City group. And they are letting Cancelo go, so yeah, I won't exactly. be shocked actually. I'll be shocked actually, but uh, Bellerin, Odigbao, Kamakwa, <laughs> you can come after retirement and come and you know shake your bum bum for the fans. Um. <laughs> Um, before I, before I won't come around the transfer window, which I see, I still have another question for Bolly because it wasn't around last week. Was when we were talking about the fact that we've seen people from other leagues complain about the fact that oh, the Premier League is this, is spending too much money, blah blah blah, and all those things. That Premier League might become the Super League, and the way I see it is, the Premier League is putting a product on TV and across the globe that everybody wants to be a part of and watch. Even investors want to come and own clubs in England because there's value for money there. And meanwhile, in Syria, there's Corruption allegation every morning in La Liga, everything bans will probably just look everybody up and all these things. What shouldn't other leagues be looking at themselves and saying, Okay, what is the Premier League doing that we're doing wrong here? Should they continue to castigate the Premier League for making so much money and spending? Hello, Bolly. Is the question for yes? Yes, the question is for you. Oh, uh. I think it's it's very very ridiculous when you see some of the uh, questions that are being raised. Some of the allegations, because how can how can you be arguing with someone that ah me I did security guard overnight, I did uh, I work in cafe, cyber cafe in the morning, and I carry my money and I say okay it's a little show I want to carry. Sorry, but at least I don't know what the show means. The means sophisticated strippers. <laughs> <laughs> I have my money to carry strippers, and then you're not telling me how I'm spending my money. It does not make sense. I don't think I don't, I don't even think there's any kind of validity to this statement. Yes, there should be some sort of especially because they compete in Europe together. There should be financial, which is there, but maybe it should be a bit more tighter. There should be more instructions on how that financial play to work. But complaining that Bournemouth can compete with uh, AC Milan is a ridiculous thing because. The only reason Bournemouth can compete, compete with AC Milan was not like this 20 years ago. It's because mm-hmm. someone continued to build on their product, continued to expose their product, allow foreigners to be part of their products, continue to expand, you know, the way their product is being shared. And then they're ripping it. And it's something other... It's not as if maybe um, the English Premier League is having a different time zone or is having a different thing that is making it better. No. Other teams also have quality products on display. But they need to find ways to get everybody involved find proper managers. The marketing of the Premier League is one of the best marketing we would ever see anywhere, you know. Some of us, we know the ringtone or the theme song of the Premier League because it's something in our, in our head. Everybody knows it because of the way they market Premier League. But do you know the theme song of the TVR? So those are some <laughs> things that... I'm naturally being serious. Those are some things that we need to... They need to find... Bring people into those FA. Not the past that is it's just a, about... Cut, 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 cut. Right. Increase what you are bringing to the table and let more teams be able to compete. Let more teams, because that's that's what it's about. That you have opportunity to spend more on your team, even at the lowest level, and you're able to fight. So what that means is that a everything that is fighting relegation, and whoever that is fighting relegation can actually have competitive games, even at that lower level. Even though they cannot compete with the big boys, there will be competitive games at that lower level with quality of display. So when you have that, you're always going to get, you know, the big box when it comes to TV rights. You're going to get the big box when it comes to people wanting to watch your product. So I think it's just a case of a a, a lazy man complaining about uh, a, a someone that work, what was someone that work 
Oh, Street did with his money. Um, before I move on from transfer video, it seems like this is probably going to be one of the craziest general transfer videos I've experienced in a while. Because even with with about forty eight hours to go, with less than forty eight hours to go, we are still seeing these deals spring up from all over the place. Ah, but all kinds of stories are popping hey, up. Get, I'm sorry for interrupting, moderator. But if we get, you could buy everybody. You are all dead. Okay, go on. So, Kule, I don't know where this this is coming from, because this is not the fear of relegation anymore. This is about, okay, there's an I don't know if it's an opportunity to be like, okay, we can improve our team now instead of waiting for the summer to do it, or, okay, let's just take whatever it is that's available. Yeah, I think it's a case of improving the team now than just saving the relegation. But what I worry about is that, okay, in six six months from now, if you make this big sign, then you get relegated. Then the player is like, I know they follow the good championship Basically, it's done. Like those players, those can really play player that will probably have like relegation release clauses in their contracts whereby you spend thirty million on them, but then they can live for it, like based on their um contracts. And but I think also it also exposes shows the kind of appeal the Premier League has now because a team strong community can buy someone who is for a team is happy happy in meet up in other leagues and, and nobody will bat an eye like oh yes. This is the league everybody wants to be in now. And basically, this is the league everybody wants to play in. In terms of commercial opportunities, marketing, finances. Like, this is this is basically it. And I feel like maybe um, for the past two years, there have been issues about financial fair play and the, uh, the impact of the pandemic financial. I feel like now, maybe clubs are finally regaling some of those finances. And now they're like, oh, yeah. You can spend it anyhow. There's, there's money on ground now. You can, you can basically break the bank, and I think that's what's kind of happening at this point. Because that's the only, that's the only way to explain why Bournemouth wants to spend time on Nicolo Zaliolo. That two years ago, people were like, ah, "He's going to Juventus." Now he's going to go to Bournemouth. Like, okay, that's, 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 even, that's even if he gets to go anywhere because he wants, he doesn't want to leave Bournemouth. Mourinho is practically pushing it towards the door, and, and the way things are going. Because some surprising things have happened. Um. And, and on the issue of um, COVID relief, is, uh, I think that's, that's a genuine excuse because even the NFL have announced today, earlier today, that the wage cap for the 2022, the upcoming 2023 season has gone up massively. Like, there's an increase of over almost $20 million to it. So I feel like, I think the COVID, whatever it is that happened and they're recovering, 